Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. And he scores! Upfront with Billy Sharp on TalkSport. Absolutely brilliant! Welcome to Upfront with Billy Sharp and me, Sam Matterface, on TalkSport. This is the show that takes you into the world of the number nine as we find out what it takes to be a top-flight striker. We'll discuss what it's like to start your career in the lower leagues, dealing with difficult club owners, and what it feels like to score for your boyhood team. Lovely low delivery, Bulldog across the area. Oh, how did that stay out? Billy Sharp! He's equalised! The Sheffield United legend has scored their first Premier League goal in 12 years! You're listening to Upfront with Billy Sharp and me, Sam Matterface, on TalkSport. Imagine growing up and dreaming of playing for your local club, getting snapped up and then being farmed out, coming back and then being moved on again, only to come back, lead them to the Premier League and score their first goal after 12 years back in the big league. Today's guest has played for Scunthorpe, Doncaster Rovers, Southampton, Forest, Leeds and, of course, Sheffield United. A story that takes us into tragedy, a story that takes us from League One to the top flight, with a few stops along the way at proving one or two people wrong. At the time of recording, no English-born goalscorer has scored more goals in professional football in the 21st century than Billy Sharp. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad at all. And They call you Mr Sheffield United, Billy the Blade. Uh, what's your favourite nickname and, and are they all Sheffield United related? <laughs> oh, the fact that I'm from Sheffield, it's not related to Sheffield United, but um, I put that one up on myself. I'm not too bothered about that label, but uh, it doesn't really reflect the true reflection of me anymore, but it was once upon a time. But um, yeah, Billy the Blade, I get that quite a bit, and Mr Sheffield United, but I'm just I'm just a fan who's had the dream to play for Sheffield United, and as a boy, obviously I wanted to be a professional footballer, and I've been so lucky to, to be able to play for United uh, for quite a few appearances now, which is, um, it's been amazing, especially the last four years. You say that um, it's not a true reflection, the fat lad from Sheffield stuff that was, was banded about about you, but maybe it was at one stage. What, what, what do you mean by that? Was it just that, you know, when you first broke onto the scene or you weren't 100% committed to the cause or what was the situation? No, I've had the odd nickname off teammates, the barrel or um, chunk or... You know, all many complimentary. Like, yeah, all, um, but I'm just that build. Um, you know, I'm short, stocky, and the way the shirts were back there did me no favours whatsoever. The, I remember my first shirt when I went on loan to Russian Diamonds. It was five, six times too big, and 
but yeah, I, I had a time in my uh, career where I was, you know, I wasn't at the best condition body fats wise, but um, you know, I had a few personal issues, but it, that shouldn't have been an excuse. But, um, and I think when you, I'm not going to lie, when you're 22, 23, 24, you think you can get away with a lot more than what I know I can't now. So, um, and, and you, an experience, honestly, you, you just cannot, with anything, any, any form of life experience, you can't beat it. And with the experience I've had over the years and in my career, it's, it's something I've really worked hard on, you know, the, the diet and keeping myself in the best possible shape to, to give myself the best chance on the pitch. And that's something that, you know, like I say, you don't really seem to think matters that much when you're a younger kid, 10 years younger than what I am now, but it means a lot now. So I have to keep myself in good nick, definitely. Wait till you get to my age. You can't even look at a packet of crisps without it going on your hips. Um... Do you know what? I'm, I'm looking, well, I'm not looking forward to it because I don't want it to come, but when I'm not playing, I'm, you know, I'm sure I'll get back to the fat lad from Sheffield, but yeah, that's it's, it's part and parcel of being a, a professional sportsman. You've got to you've got to be in the best shape possible, definitely. Um, have you always been a diehard blade? Yeah, I have. Um, I've said in a few interviews before that I had a soft spot for Newcastle United. Obviously, when Sheffield United wasn't in the Premier League, but Newcastle was, and Alan Shearer is a an, an idol and a hero of mine. Shearer hits it. Oh, what a goal! takes Newcastle to Wembley. What a fantastic strike by the captain. I wanted to just, you know, score goals like he did in the garden. And then obviously when I was trying to make it as a pro. And yeah, when Ginola, Shearer, uh, Ferdinand and Aspria, all them were there, I, I sort of like to follow them as well. But I'm totally Sheffield United and always have been and always will be. Were you always a forward? Yeah, apart from at school, my school teacher asked me to, to play right back and right midfield at the same time. So um, probably these days a wing-back, if you like. Um, didn't really enjoy it. He used to be always shouting to me, did he get back in defence? But I used to roam up the pitch and try and get on the score sheet as well. But I was just helping out the school team, which, you know, I enjoyed playing. I just wanted to play up front. And uh, that's where I've played most of my career, definitely. What do you see the roles and responsibilities of a centre-forward? Is it something that's evolved over time or have you always just decided this is just about scoring goals? Not going to lie, it's about scoring goals, definitely. If you're not scoring goals, then there's an excuse for the manager to take you out. Um, but me also wearing the armband the last four years, is, I think it's helped me as a forward um, to, to, to know that I'm not just on the pitch to score goals, but deep down I look in the mirror and I know that that's my job, to try and score goals, win win the club games. But to, to help uh, teammates around and to lead from the front, and you know, most managers say, you know, defend from the front and, it's not just about, you know, the final third, which I've tried really hard in the last five, six years to to be a complete all-round striker, if you like. I'm, I class myself as a traditional centre-forward. I like to play between the 18-yard box, but, you know, you've got to be able to do more than that these days. And uh, that's why I've worked hard on fitness and keeping myself in good shape to, to be able to get around the pitch. And the demands of the Premier League is, uh, is there for all to see. It's the best league in the world and, you know, it's really good to be playing in there and, uh, I'm enjoying it at the minute and hopefully it continues. OK, let's warm you up with some quick uh, fire questions, get a sense of who Billy Sharp is. What's your favourite goal? Favourite goal? Oh, uh, Leeds United volley at home a couple of years ago in the Championship. The best of headers from O'Kane! Oh, it's a sensational goal! Billy Sharp! 
Inside two minutes, as at Ellen Road. A goal to Sabre and a milestone goal as well. His 200th in league football and it's some way to get it. What was the most important goal? Probably the one I scored for Doncaster on the left foot in memory of my son, Louis. Um, football gave me a, a real sense of release then and focus. And that goal meant a lot to me for for the future and obviously to where I am today. So I'd say personally that goal, um, off the top of my head, I can't really think of a goal, um, obviously, to, to do with Sheffield United. But um, it's, luckily there's been so many. So I'd say that one about for my son. What was the most memorable game of football that you played? I'd probably say the Chesterfield one when we got the 100 points in League One. I know how much that meant to the gaffer. Um, we'd been on the on the drink, on the source for five weeks prior to that where we'd we'd already won the league. We'd, we'd already got promoted, but he was wanting the 100 points and the record wins and I wanted to get to 30 goals. And that day we, we went out and, you know, we, we managed to win the game, but it, it just topped everything off and it was a memorable season in a memorable game. And again, I, I could have picked other games, but that one stands out for me at the minute. I was going to say who was your childhood hero, but I know it was Alan Shearer. But yeah. what, what was it about Alan Shearer in particular that you liked? Just how much fun he got out of scoring goals. Just ran off like a little kid scoring in the garden with his hand in the air, nothing too flash, just headers, volleys, tappings. He had he had everything for me as a, as a um, traditional centre forward and he's proved that with the record goal scoring in the Premier League and such a good player. Um, and there, for me and Alan Shearer these days are a dying art and I class myself as that type of centre forward so I also listen to the podcast of Gary Lineker as well and I agree with a lot of things that he says about how scoring goals and the knack of it and how he worked on things and how he got around the pitch I, it made a lot of sense to me and uh, I enjoy listening to that one definitely Which current striker do you look at and think oh, I'm impressed by him uh, it's obvious, uh, one of, I'm going to say, Sergio Aguero. Aguero's got it again here. He's still going. Out comes the goalkeeper and he's lifted it over the top. Oh, a magnificent goal from Sergio Aguero. He seems to float around the pitch and then bam, he's on to things in a second. And if you give him a chance, he, he's always sticking the ball in the net. And Again, he's like me. He's a little chunk, a little stocky character. And uh, he's, he's got everything. He's, um, he can finish with both feet and he's great in the air to say he's not... Um, very tall, like something that Gary Lincoln said, obviously, as well. Um, he's somebody who I've watched. His movement's unbelievable. And uh, when we faced him, uh, the lads who have played against him have said his movement's uh, is really good and he's difficult to mark and everybody knows how good he is. Magic Wood dispossessed by Gary Speed, who sends Billy Sharp down the middle of the QPR half. Billy Sharp is going to run through on goal. Can he finish? Yes, he can! So, 1986... Billy Sharp comes into the world, a world on the change, actually, a country on the change. Britain is changing industrially and, and technically. Funnily enough, Billy Ocean is number one the day you are born with the going gets tough, the tough get going. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Is that an apt song for you? I quite like the song. I didn't know until you just told me that that was number one when I was born, but um, quite ironic now that I'm Billy and... He was number one. Um, it's, a, it's a great song, but I didn't know until you told me, so I've learned something new every day. 
Talk to me about growing up in Sheffield in the 90s. What was it like and how did you get into football? Yeah, I, I come from, you know, a normal background, if you like. My mum and dad, hardworking uh, family and brought my brother, me and my brother up the same way and just loved having a ball at my feet from an early age. Whenever I look back on photos that my mum pulls out and tries to embarrass me, I, I always seem to have a, a football or a football kit on and all my birthdays were to do with football and I don't know, I just, like I said, I got so much fun out scoring goals, whether I still do now in the garden, um, if it's past my seven-year-old son or whether it's past, you know, uh, Tim Krull, like my last one was. I get such a joy out of the ball hitting the net. It's such a good feeling. And I just want to be a striker from a very early age and I still love it now and hopefully I can keep doing it for many years to come. Do you think it comes naturally, that goal-scoring instinct, or is it something that you have to work at every day? No, I think the instinct definitely is a natural instinct but there is certain aspects that you have to work on but just going back to the Gary Lineker thing where the ball's out wide you know you don't wait for the cross to come in because it's a challenge between you and defender that's something that I try and get a relationship with with the people who are usually providing the crosses or the through balls you know you make your run and they split second after they're playing it so you've got that half a yard or your defender so it's too late they have to bring you down for a penalty or a last ditch tackling as a striker, you're hoping, you know, you've got the wrong side of him and you're just getting something on the end of it to put it in the net. And honestly, it's such a good feeling to know you're getting there first and all you have to do is concentrate on a good surface. And to see the ball in the net is such a good feeling and I've made a habit of it over the years. Take me back to 2004 then. Tell me about that feeling of making it your first Sheffield United appearance. Yeah, it's a bit of a blur, to be honest. Again, I know I had a massive shirt on. It was only for a few minutes as well, but... To play for Sheffield United for the first time in, with that badge on, on, on my chest was a very proud moment. But it was it was weird because I went out alone nearly straight after that. And um, that was the time where I thought, you know what, I might have to go away from Sheffield United to, to make a career, which was a bit scary. And, um, but it's because Russian and Diamonds gave me an opportunity and a, a chance to play competitive football. Maybe it was down the, down the ladders a little bit, but... I just I was hungry to play and wanted to prove myself to, well, to myself really that I could, you know, I wasn't just a under twenty one or under nineteen player. I wanted to make a scene on the um, on the competitive football, and I went away for two years. And like you say, I've I've been back a couple of times now, and this last four years I could not have brought it down on a piece of paper any better. Talk to me about that interim period then, those two years. You go, you go to Rushton on loan. Did you think at that time, I'm probably not going to play for Sheffield United, but this is where I can make my mark. And you scored goals in League Two. Then you went to, to Scunthorpe. What were, your, what were your feelings at this time? Were you, were you focused and still ambitious or were you sort of a little bit sort of wounded by the fact that you hadn't made it into the Sheffield United first team? No, I think um, I got you know guided by my dad to, to go to Rushton and Diamonds and you know, nobody wants to drop down two divisions, but no disrespect to Russian, I want to use them as a stepping stone to quickly get back up. And I managed to do that. I played 16 games, scored nine goals and was thinking I was coming back to Sheffield United then to be a part of it, only to be sold for a hundred grand to Scunthorpe, where I had some unbelievable times. Two, two seasons where I scored a hatful of goals and Sheffield United signed me back for two million pounds or something. That, that's one hell of a sort of turnaround, isn't it? Because you go to, to, to Scunthorpe, you partner up with Andy Keogh, that becomes really prolific. Um, why was that so fruitful? Similar, well, same age, same interests, you know, we played golf together, hung out together, um, just seemed to click straight away. Um, wasn't something forced on us, just 
he looked for me and I looked for him and we seemed to complement each other really well and we basically got each other removed from Scunthorpe again which we're thankful they, they gave us an opportunity but um, he went on to uh, Wolves and went and scored uh, goals for them and got into the Premier League and obviously I went back to Sheffield United as Scunthorpe was getting promoted into the same league when Sheffield United was coming back down but it was a no-brainer my heart took over in my head and I wanted to go back and try and try and make a name for myself at Sheffield United. 56 goals in 95 for Scunthorpe. You're back at Sheffield United this time around. What was different about the club by the time you'd gone back? Brian Robson took me back to Sheffield United and we had such a brilliant team on paper. And again, going back to Gary Lakers, um, one way he was saying about when he was in the England team about in awe of a few people. I'd say I was a little bit with the people who I was around at Sheffield United with the likes of Gary Speed and Juve Egeorg and Lee Hendry. To be a part of that team made me learn a lot really quickly because I had a lot of great heads and a lot of experience in the team, which they was, they was the people I've mentioned was all absolutely fantastic for me. And I'm forever grateful for their advice and uh, their support they gave me when, because I was in and out of the team when I went back and didn't really play where I wanted to down the middle, but I was just happy to be playing with such talented players and, Obviously, playing for Sheffield United again was such a such an honour, definitely. And so it was a couple of years back at Sheffield United. Um, then you were shipped out again on loan and then permanently after well, a couple of goals in that championship season. But you didn't play after February because of a, an injury. And then you went to uh, Doncaster. But I suppose any myth about your ability at that level was very quickly dismissed, wasn't it? Because within the first 17 games of the next season, you've scored 11 goals. Threading the passes together. It's back with James Coppinger. Now it goes in towards Billy Sharp. Billy Sharp spun the defender and shoots and scores. Too easy again for Doncaster Rovers through the Leeds United defence. It was me who made the decision to go to Doncaster, really, to, to you know freshen things up. I knew it was only a loan, so it wasn't you know permanently going away, but... I had such a great time there and they played football the way, you know, I wanted to play and I caught a lot of goals, like you said, and I made it permanent, which um, again was, I didn't regret it. It was going from, away from Sheffield United, but it was the best thing for my career and I, ma- I managed to prove myself again that I'm ready to step up and I know I can score goals whatever division and championship was definitely a division I knew I could score goals in. I don't know, I think I'm third highest scorer in the championship of all the time and not many behind the two are in front of me but hopefully I don't have to drop down to the championship anymore and I don't have to chase that but yeah people have seemed to write me off most of my career but it's something I'm not too particularly bothered about and I'm uh, happy with the way I'm going at the minute I mean the goals tally I mean you say people have been happy to to write you off I mean I suppose the answer is have a look at my my scoring record especially over even over the last four years in particular I mean it is nothing short of sensational and I mentioned it right at the top of the the program you no English professional footballer has scored more goals in the 21st century than you I wonder whether or not that sort of everyone gets that negativity and you use that as fuel or you think in particular people just for whatever reason are focused on you and are not convinced that you can always make the step up yeah, I think it's about people having belief in you. And I had a stint at, um, when I got promoted with Southampton where I thought I'm at a great age, 24, 25. I've got a chance now to make myself a Premier League footballer for a long time. And he got taken away from me from the owner at the club at the time, told Nigel Atkins, who was the manager, you know, he's going to have to go because we're going to sign two players in the end for 
combined £40 million. So I moved on on loan, which if I look back at it, I enjoyed my loan at Nottingham Forest, but I could have dug my heels in and waited for a chance and tried to fight my way in. But again, every decision I've made, I don't regret. And that was a period where it was a little bit sticky in my career because I, I, I went on a couple of loans where I wasn't really settled and um, I had quite a lot of managers, especially at Nottingham Forest and uh, Reading and um, Leeds United. Again, got no regrets. I've I've enjoyed every single minute of my career up to now and no no better feeling at the minute than playing and scoring for Sheffield United. You don't regret any decisions, not even the one that when you go to Doncaster, you get the number five shirt. <laughs> I actually asked for that. Um, it was either number five or 30-something and I thought, number five, I know that Zidane had, had it, I know that Lee Sharp had, had it and I just thought it's... It's halfway there to my favourite number, number 10. So I took it on and I did all right in it, to be honest. It didn't look quite right. Um, looked like I had someone else's shirt on, but um, it's all part of the journey now. And um, yeah, number five and number eight are numbers that um, I've worn, which people can't remember that I've, I've had on. I had number eight at Leeds. So um, yeah, two, two strange numbers for a striker, but I quite enjoyed them both. You could have left Doncaster in 2011. Lots of people were talking about you going all over the country. You stayed a little bit longer through that summer. Why didn't you want to move? And how did you deal with all that attention that was sort of surrounding you? Yeah, I had, um, well, I had Southampton who wanted to take me and I had Leicester as well, which it wasn't the right time for me with the personal issues I had off the, pit, off the pitch and my fitness was, I'd have been doing an injustice to myself and, I felt I owed, I owed it to Doncaster for the faith they'd shown in me. I felt I owed them my uh, services for a little bit longer. And again, I'm forever grateful for their support and you know their belief they showed in me. And I think it was the best decision as well because uh, when I finally went to Southampton, I was in a little bit better shape. And like I say, it was, it was, it was a good decision in the end, definitely. At the end of October 2011, and this is what you're talking about, your family experienced an unspeakable tragedy with your son passing away just two days old. Is that something you can talk about? No, I have. I've talked about it quite a few times. Um, I, did, I did something for the club a few months ago, which, yeah, there's certain things about it what I can't talk about, which, which gets me, and uh, I'll, I'll obviously not do that today. But um, I said I was selfish at the time, which I still believe I was. I left um, my wife, Jade, at the, the hospice with, obviously, my son and um, to go and play football, which now and back then, especially, I thought was selfish. But the release it gave me and um, uh, to, to, I wanted to make my son proud and it's something that, you know, I, I got the goal, which, again, was a selfish thing because it's a team game. But I got something out of that game, which has helped me through the years that have gone on since then. but um, This is when you scored against Middlesbrough three days after his passing. Yeah, um, I'd not, not eaten or drank for two or three days and Dean Saunders, the manager at the time, uh, he rang me and he said, uh, how is everything? And it, obviously it was a difficult conversation for him to have, but he was just checking in and I said to him, look, Gaffer, I, I really want to play tomorrow. And he said, really? I said, yeah. He said, it's the best news I've heard all day. I'll see you tomorrow. Let me know. Uh, if you change your mind, there'd be no issues. Like I said, it, it was it was brilliant, and I remember doing a jog just to get you know my legs going again on the morning of the game. And uh, I said about a, a guy who wound his window down and was giving me a bit of stick about 
because people thought I wasn't playing because obviously the links to other clubs, but I just let go of my head and I turned up that night and managed to score a, a goal for, for my son. And we lost the game, which was disappointing, but it definitely helped and the support and from everybody in, in, in the world of football was uh, very overwhelming and um, it definitely helped me and my family through with the obviously the tragedy who was at, what was happening at the time. Has it changed you? Yeah, it made me grow up really quickly. Um, wouldn't want anyone to go through it. I know that other people have since I we've gone through the tragedy and I know people went through it bef- before we did, but it's a horrible thing and it, ha- it happens in life which doesn't make it all right, but it's how you overcome you know, the hurdles, the bumps, and it was a tough one to take, but we've, we've seemed to be doing great at, at the time of it happening and obviously uh, nothing will ever, ever replace him, but we've, um, we're dealing with it quite well at, at the minute. So it's, uh, like I say, football helped massively for me and my family. You're listening to Upfront with Billy Sharp on TalkSport. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. And he scores! Up front with Billy Sharp on TalkSport. Absolutely brilliant! Lalana's corner. Gooley was beaten in the air by Wrecking. Still not cleared. Coming down with snow on that one. Back in by Lambert. Sharp twice the turn. Razor Sharp! Billy Sharp! And Southampton have broken the derby deadlock! You got off to a really good start at Southampton, didn't you, really? You scored quickly, big games, including in the South Coast derby with Portsmouth, which almost ended in victory and then until David Norris turned up. Um, it was it was a good start. You were flying and you got promoted. Yeah, do you know what? I thought I was having a good start. I scored on my debut and the next game we was 2 up at half-time and I made an assist and I got dragged off the pitch and I couldn't understand why until after... And the manager, Nigel Atkins, said to me, look, I'll show you, you were miles off it. 
And I was thinking, no chance. I've set one up. We turn a lot. What what is the problem? I don't know. My running stats were down and blah blah blah. And I, I was didn't play for the next six games. And I was in some sort of fitness regime where I got really fit. And to be honest, it was a good thing because uh, Ricky Lambert was struggling with his knee at times. He couldn't train every day. And I came back into the team with Ricky Lambert and went on a scoring run, like you said. And me and him was dovetailing really well. And we got over the line. Obviously coming second, which was a disappointment, but to get promoted to the Premier League in, after you know four months of being at the club was a brilliant achievement and something that is still really a proud moment now. Yeah, Ricky talks about you uh, and he says that you know everyone focuses on the goals that he scored during that promotion season, but actually you scored key goals at the back end of the season that helped them over the line. Did you feel that responsibility? Yeah, and I love playing with Ricky. He, um, he was someone a little bit like me, you know, people said he was, you know, a big lump of a target man, but he was far from it. And he showed that with his moves and obviously playing for England. He was brilliant in the air, brilliant with his feet, such a clever striker and a striker that I love to play with because, you know, he was playing alternates with, with me and it worked well for me and I thought I worked well for him. And yeah, like you say, when he when he didn't score, I scored. When I didn't score, he scored. And that's the way to do it as a, as a strike partnership. And uh, we we got on we got on great off the pitch and obviously on the pitch it, it linked up really well and yeah he, like I say he was struggling with his knee but he scored a hatful of goals that season. Sharp scores for Southampton. Lambert squared it to him. Billy Sharp gets his seventh in seven games and celebrates on his near touchline. So Saints get promoted. You two have started to form this great partnership. What happens over that summer because. The next season, you end up at Forest, then Reading, then Doncaster again. Why did the owner decide that that was the position they needed to strengthen in? Because uh, that's politics and that's one bad thing about football. And uh, I'm not sure he wanted me at the club in the first place, but Nigel Atkins said, look, if anything happens to Ricky Lambert, no disrespect to over there, we haven't really got a backup. So he wanted to get me in, which he did. To the owner, it was like I'd done Southampton a, a short-time job got help him get over the line and he then decided that he wanted to wanted to get me out to to bring in two other players which didn't sit well with me and Ricky wasn't fully fit for the first game of the season which uh, was Man City away and I'd worked so hard in pre-season and I, I got told I was starting on the Friday morning in the shape only to be later told by the manager after we'd left the training ground that I now wasn't starting and it wasn't his decision which wasn't music to my ears and was disappointing to hear, but managed to come on and make my Premier League debut that day and we missed out 3-2 against Man City, but I could see what was happening and I wasn't prepared to sit there and not be involved. So I went to Nottingham Forest, which was uh, scored goals there and it was that was another strange time with another owner who had a lot of input on managers with providing three managers in, in a season, which again was very unsettling. Take me back to the Southampton situation because people who don't know know what, what, what the owner was like. Just tell us who he was and what he did because, I mean, he, every, everybody was pretty scared of him down there. I didn't really speak to him when I signed, which I thought was strange. Didn't really have much time with him one-on-one um, at all when I was at the club, but he did try with other players, if you like. But it didn't really bother me. It's just the fact that I think everyone should be on a level playing field and I, I realised it wasn't. When when an owner tells the manager and the manager tells me that, look, I think it's better for you to go and play football there because and my hands are tied, which, you know, I've never actually rang Nigel Adkins up and asked him about that time, but 
I know exactly um, it wasn't his decision because he took me to two other clubs after yeah. <laughs> after he'd left Southampton and I'd left Southampton. So, so it was Nicola Cortese's decision? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. He, he was a big driving force of players who was coming into the club and that's what happens at some clubs and it happened at Nottingham Forest with... Um, the owner there and it happened when I was at Leeds as well where I had three managers in a season and the owner was a complete joke on I don't mind saying it what do you like to do away from football um I'm fortunate enough to have a three quarter snooker table which um I don't play on in enough but I'm sure I will do when the kids grow up a little bit more but I enjoy to uh, play snooker but golf is probably the biggest one I like to do away from football be trying to play in between times where I've, I've not got the kids or a training. Uh, they're two, two sports that I enjoy playing other than football. Talk to me about um, how you dealt with lockdown TV-wise. Did you do, watch any specific box sets? Did you binge on anything? Uh, I'm not really a TV man, to be honest, um, or a computer man. I don't know. Um, my wife calls me boring. Uh, when, the kids, <laughs> when the kids go to bed, she's, she's, um, she's always on box sets. Oh, watch this with me and... I don't know. She's, she says I'm. I've not got the attention span to watch. You know, I've still not watched the final episode of The Last Dance, and I absolutely love it. And I haven't got round to doing it yet. So, why is that? Just that you haven't, just haven't had, haven't had the time, or or because because I, I got three episodes into that, and I thought, yeah, okay, this is great, and I'm. I thought, but I know what's going to happen next, so I didn't sort yeah, of. Yeah, I think that's why I've not watched the last one. I think I know what's going to happen. Well, I know what's happened as well because obviously the lads talk about it trading, which kills it sometimes. But uh, <laughs> Breaking Bad, Entourage, and Narcos are the best three that I've watched. Ah. And watched all three of them to the end. It's come to Tom. It's Billy And it's a dream debut for Billy Sharp in the light of Leeds United. Let's go back to football uh, because <laughs> in 2014, you go to Leeds United. Um, and you do work for what you've already said is a crazy chairman, um, yeah. Mr. Cellino. What was it like around the training ground? I remember driving from Southampton to Leeds to sign, and I was so excited because not not that I was glad to leave Southampton. I was actually good, but I was so excited because as a Sheffield United fan, you're supposed to hate Leeds. But I don't know. I just was looking forward to the the opportunity, and I got I think I got there around half past eight at night, and I remember going into the where the like um, suites are up in the middle section of the ground, and the lights was on like sensors. So I, when I was walking, the lights kept coming on. And right at the end of one of the corridors, Cellino was in a green leather jacket and was smoking and blew a puff of smoke up. And as I got closer, he said said my name and said uh, thought you was going to be taller. And I was thinking, oh my god, here we go again. It turned out all right. Uh, two days of training, and then the third day I was starting and on Sky, scored 1-0, shirt came off at the Revy end and it was perfect. Great start. Managed to get my suntan out on on Sky Sports and I thought, here we go, I'm, I've started well. And within five, six games, one manager sacked. I was thinking, oh my word. At the start of the time at least, we were washing his own training kit. We wasn't getting fed. Uh, there was no water in the facilities, which were amazing. The swimming pool, the um, jacuzzi and all the luxuries that not many training grounds have got. And uh, well, there was no water uh, in the jacuzzi. No, or the swimming pool. Um, we used to have a kickabout in the empty swimming pool, like use it as like a five-a-side pitch. Um, <laughs> but such great facilities and such an amazing club. It was just 
I don't know, not being run right. And like I said, after six games, we'd gone into a second manager. Um, he was one who was going on about um, we need to be more clinical and putting on finishing sessions. And I'm thinking, perfect, this man's going to be for me. Loads of finishing. We came to the first game, didn't even make the squad. I was scratching my head thinking, well, what? I'm not being funny. I've hit the net all week. Who, who, which manager is this? Darko Milanac. Um, so Brentford away. I found myself in the smallest away changing room, as everyone knows, at Brentford um, with the two kit men, thinking, what on earth like, is going on? Um, he lasted about six or seven games. Didn't I don't think we, I think we won one game. Uh, we've not played many games. And then Neil Redfern took over. I was in and out of the team with him. He, to be fair, he was trying to find a winning formula and uh, he was mixing the team around. And it was a bit of a nightmare, but had some great times. Like I said, that pre-season trip the next season when the fourth manager came in, Uwe Rossler, he was very honest with me, even though I didn't agree with what he said. He said I was fourth choice striker, which I, I don't know how he could say that when we was like three days into a pre-season tour. And I didn't believe that I was fourth choice striker, but... I had a season left. I didn't have any plans of going anywhere, but then I got wind of Sheffield United was wanting to take me back. And I don't know, again, my, my heart just took over my head. I was thinking, really dropping from Premier League to League One within the space of 15 months as it was. And when that um, came about, I, I was thinking, you know, this is this is a great opportunity, great age. Didn't want to hang around in League One, no disrespect to League One, but too long. I wanted to try and get promoted to Sheffield United and, crack on again and that's exactly what happened and like I said I couldn't have could not have wrote it down any better the, the way it's gone the gaffer gave me a huge opportunity with being captain and I felt as though that's made me a better player as well which um, I enjoy, enjoy being captain of the football club I support as, as well It couldn't have gone any better as you say you smashed in 21 goals in 39 games in the first season you haven't really stopped scoring since how much difference did it make being back at your home time team or did you just get better because of the experiences that you'd had? When I signed for Sheffield United back from Scunthorpe, I think maybe a little bit. The pressure didn't get to me. I just think the expectation of scoring so many goals in two seasons, the fans expected me to come and score a hat full of goals, which didn't get room to do that and um, didn't quite go as well as it, it could have done, but still no regrets. Scored important goals and loved it. But the time I came back, I just seemed to grip it with both hands and think this is an opportunity where I can make myself a Sheffield United um, player to be remembered about and to cherish them goals for Sheffield United this time. Because um, I knew when I was going back, it was a huge opportunity to to help this football club get to where we are today. And to be a, a, a huge part of being that over the last four years is something I'm proud of and I want to keep being part of. And uh, I'm working hard to, to keep keep up with the younger lads at the club at the minute. Well, Chris Wilder obviously had a major impact on the club when he when he came in. Did you two hit it off straight away? Yeah, I remember uh, Kevin Cave, the chairman at the time, rang me and he said, look, I've got bad news and good news. And I was, I was like, OK. I was actually in the airport waiting to go on holiday. And he said, uh, I've sat Nigel Adkins, but the new manager wants to speak to you. And he was Chris Wilder. And he, he it was a brief phone call, but he said to me, look, well, I want you to be my captain. And you know, I didn't know what to say on the phone. I was... Still in shock of the manager getting changed, but I was like, wow, new manager's not even met me yet and he wants to make me captain, which I told him straight away that, yeah, I'm, I, I want to be. But he said to me, look, ring me tomorrow when you've had a few beers and you've got on the beach and uh, let me know if, if it's for you. And I rang him back as soon as I woke up and I said, yeah, Gaffer, it's, um, it's something I'm incredibly proud of and it would be an honour to be captain and I can't wait to get back going. And 
uh, it's something I had a lot of time to think about over the four or five weeks that we had off. And I think that's why he did it, to give me the time to put a plan in place. He's gave me a lot of responsibility off the pitch with the, with the boys. And I've, I've seen to have done all right with, with what we've done. So uh, I've enjoyed it. You've really taken that responsibility seriously as well, haven't you? You've sort of not carved out a different role for yourself, but you've, you've certainly done a lot of work on it. Yeah, the last first thing I did, I, I spoke to um, captains who I played with and uh, the likes of Chris Morgan, Nick Montgomery, just for a little bit of advice and f- for me not to go in there trying to do it all my own way. And I, I, I took bits of advice off everybody and tried to remember them bits with you know their, their successful players. And I, I just tried to put my own bits in as well, which I have done. And like I said, I really enjoy it. Uh, some of the stuff, um, especially in this pandemic with all the meetings that are going on, is, is sometimes a bit of a ball ache. But um, I, I do, I enjoy it and the responsibility is great. You fill up my senses like a night in a forest. Like Here is Basham now. Clips it over the top again for Kieran Dowell, who is onside, and he can break into the penalty area. Sharp is waiting for the hat-trick, and he delivers! Billy Sharp with the header! It's yet another hat-trick for Billy Sharp, and Sheffield United are heading to the top of the championship. You fill up my senses. Two years in the championship after the promotion in 16-17. 30 goals that year. Which one of them is your favourite season? Yeah, do you know what? After I'd done the 30 goals, I, I was thinking it's going to be hard to beat. But a little bit disappointed. I let Pookie go away in the championship. But he was incredibly hot that year. And uh, yeah, I struggled towards the end of the season with a slight injury. But I was happy with my return. I scored 20 four goals I think it was and we got promoted so it was a great season and another memorable one which I, I, I still look at now with photos around the house with such pride and you're talking about getting up from the championship but did you have sort of like a preference in terms of which one which promotion the league one promotion or the championship promotion that you enjoyed more it's so different because the league one was such a relief even though we did it so early it just it was a fairy tale we, we got 30 wins I got 30 goals personally um, we got 100 goals, I think, between us. Broke so many records as a team. It was the perfect season, if you like. The gaffer got everything he wanted. The players got everything they wanted. And we was finally out of League One, back into the Championship, which it only took us two seasons then to get to get out of there. And it was the belief and the, the drive from the players and the manager and the staff, which got us over the line again to obviously get to where we are now. Sheffield United, in the 88th minute, on their return to the Premier League, have a free kick. It will be Fleck. Or Norwood, the captain, lovely low delivery. Bulldog across the area. Oh, how did that stay out? Billy Sharp! He's equalised! The Sheffield United legend has scored their first Premier League goal in 12 years. Come of the hour, come of the man for Sheffield United. Billy the sharpshooter. You had to deal with some criticism um, about the step up to the Premier League, about the step up to the Championship, probably at the, the step up to League One. Um, but explain the feelings of scoring the goal against Bournemouth, which was the first goal that Sheffield United has scored in the top flight for 12 years. I knew I wasn't going to start the game because the week before we played in France as final um, final friendly, and you, you know by the team that day that that was going to be the team for the week after. And it was a tough day. I was disappointed, but you know I thought you know I'm going to get a chance, and as long as I get on. I said to Ben Osborne, who was a new player at the time, and he could see I was a little bit gutted that I wasn't going to be starting. But I said to him, you know what, 
I've still got this feeling I'm going to score. And then the day before in the hotel, I was I was practicing headers for some reason. I thought it was going to be a header. I've done it all my career, messing around in the in the room, and I could just see visualize it scoring a goal. And uh, I was hoping it was going to be a header and the winner. But luckily for me, I got on the pitch and managed to get some scrappy touch on it, which I wasn't bothered one bit. Saw it trickling the net, and it was at the perfect end with the Sheffield United fans and to help contribute to get the point that day because I thought we deserved it. We played really well and to be a part of it and the first goal in 12 years in the Premier League was, oh, I don't know, the celebrations. You can see what it meant to me on that day and yeah, amazing, brilliant. A goal in all four divisions as well as a result of that. Adrian Durham was one of your critics, I believe. Something that stung you a little bit, I think. Have you made up now? I mean, he did write you a poem and everything. Maybe I, I overreacted. They asked me about it straight after the game and I had a little dig back, which I don't think he'd be bothered about either. Um, everybody's entitled to their opinion. And a lot of people um, wrote us off collectively and me individually and the manager as well. It sticks in your mind, of course, yeah. Um, but that's what sport's there for, to prove people wrong, to, to make people eat their words. And I've got no issues with it. It worked out well in the end. And I've got more goals than Adrian Durham. So he can <laughs> keep talking and keep trying to... Um, Make headlines if you want. Sheffield United are absolutely ripping Wigan to shreds here. It's Wigan nil, Sheffield United three. Fantastic move it was too. Ball played over to McGoldrick. He played a lovely, delicious square ball over across the six-yard box. Keeper couldn't get there, but Billy Sharp could cover his 220th senior goal in football. It's Wigan Athletic nil, Sheffield United three. Just from talking to you, I get the sense that there is a competitive spirit in you, which is the driving force behind you achieving your goals. You, you mentioned just in passing, it just came out. Oh, I was a bit disappointed that, that, that Pookie got a run on me in the championship season. I got 30 goals here. I have to prove people wrong. I don't know if you set yourself targets, but it seems like you know exactly what you want and you're going to go and try and get them. Would that be fair? Yeah, definitely. You know, the one about the, um, which is really nice, um, most goals in the century is... I didn't know about that until my dad said, look, you need this many goals until, until this happens. And I was like, didn't even know it was a thing, to be honest. The goal against Wigan on, on the start of the new year, yeah, it was such a great feeling because I felt as though the team shared it with me. And to, to, to be able to do it at Sheffield United again was, it's just extra special. Every goal in my career has been, it's the same feeling, but the goals for Sheffield United just mean that a little bit more and, it's something I'm proud of because I, I hear it quite a lot. The fans, oh, he's one of us. He's doing, and I, I feel though I'm doing it. Obviously, I'm doing it for them because as they, they're supporting me on the pitch. But just to give them the joy, I know it makes them just as happy as it does for me. And... Again, my kids. First thing um, they ask uh, when it's a night game, when it's away from home, when they when they're not able to come is. The next day, Danny, did you score? And there's no better feeling than saying, of course I did, son. And their face uh, make, makes it all worthwhile as well. A lot have been made about Chris Wilder and his tactics, the overlapping centre-backs, etc., etc. When he first came up with the idea and said it to you, did you think to yourself, what the hell's going on here? Or were you fully on board from the start? We made a horrific start to the season that he came, actually. I think we got a couple of injuries, which forced us into going 3-5-2. Well, obviously the manager and assistant had to say, look, this is probably the best shape and the best team to go out and win the next game. And we did. And he's one of them type of managers who, well, it worked, so we're going again. And we won again and we won again. And then we just started to adapt and said, how can we get better? And I think that's something that the manager and 
his assistant and staff have always tried to do, um, especially because we've gone up in the leagues. We needed to get better as a team and individually and we work on them things and it's a big strength of ours now of, you know, overlapping centre-backs but um, brilliant defenders as well which you don't always get and it just seems to complement everybody and everybody's on the same wavelength and everybody knows their roles and yeah, it's, um, it's blossomed into a, a good relationship, you know, between the staff and the players which the fans love to see as well. At the end of these interviews, we've been doing the perfect hat-trick. Three questions about yourself and how well you know yourself. Are you all right to take them? <laughs> yeah. Probably won't get any right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. Who did you score your first goal for Doncaster against? Oh, my word. Can't you hear that's me, my first ever goal. Uh, first goal for Doncaster against... <sighs> Why is my dad not sat here? Um, oh, my word. <laughs> first goal... Former club? Wasn't Sheffield United. No, wasn't she? no. I remember my goal for Sheffield. You know what? Gunthorpe. Yes, header, Blanford Park. <laughs> Took my shirt off. I was getting uh, some stick. I was, is that my first goal for Doncaster? I yeah. thought I'd scored one, and then I went on a little bit of a drought. Is that my, right? Okay, so that's that. That's um, good to know because someone asked me why did I take my shirt off against the former club. It's because it was obviously meant so much to me. It was. Uh, my first goal, even though I got the question wrong, what you just asked me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You can use it. Um, your last goal before lockdown was against Norwich City, but you scored a significant goal uh, just before that to send Sheffield United to the FA Cup quarterfinals. In what minute did you score against Reading? Um, straight after the... Yes, early on after in the first half. Was it the first half of extra time? Yes, it was. Uh, 97 minutes. Half time in extra time. Reading 1, Sheffield United 2, and Billy Sharp headed at the far post. 105. Ah, right, so. <laughs> just before just half before. time. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, and off the top of your head, how many different clubs have you appeared for professionally? Eight. Well done. Yes. You got it right. And the goal has been given, and it's Billy Sharp yet again for Sheffield United. And when he scores, they never seem to lose. You've been listening to Upfront with Billy Sharp and me, Sam Matterface. And if you missed any of the show or want to catch up on previous episodes from the series, you can download the podcast from the TalkSport Game Day feed via the TalkSport app. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.